Welcome back to Cold Pizza. I am Pastor Rusty, and I'm joined with Pastor Jeff today. I am here. He came back, and we got him back again. They let me back on. It helps when you're the preacher. It's true. That was my plan. So we ditched Pastor Matt, and uh, today we are walking through. I invited Matt to come. He turned me down. We did. He had the opportunity. But, you know, free will, that thing. We tackled Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 18 yesterday, and uh, it's just a really special Sunday in general. Yeah. Um, I, I think, so I, I remember back to youth ministry and my youth pastor being like, I don't want to miss church because I don't want to miss the things that God does. And yeah. there are those opportunities and experiences that are really special that um, mm-hmm. you can talk about, but you can't recreate. Right. And, I don't know that they're necessarily more meaningful than your average Sunday, but um, there are special times as the family too. Yeah, uh, I think so. God gives us special, special times as a family, special gatherings to encourage us in things we didn't even know we needed encouraged in. Yeah, and I mean, this God's sovereign plan and working out the service yesterday, conversations I had with people afterwards about the text, the way God led me to exposit the text, conversations and text messages this morning about, you know, parents with their kids and husbands and wives, how that was really coming to bear, which is really cool because I was like, I could have gone a a lot of different ways with that text. Um, And God really did come to bear on it in an awesome way. And the baptism... Yeah, you know the visitors that were there. And the visitors, the beginning of Advent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I came home from uh, a service yesterday. I got home, and I I was laughing because I said, I said I I feel like I, I feel very much like a shepherd. Um, I was like I'm I'm covered in sweat, and in tears, and in the waters of baptism because I was like I was up there sweating, preaching, wore a sweater, and it was hot. <laughs> and I'm crying because God is so good, and I'm baptizing, so I'm car- I'm like, I feel like I've been with the sheep. And my wife brought up this really cool point. She was like, you know, if you if you would have been a Levite, you come home covered in blood and guts. And how cool is it that you you come home <laughs> covered in the water of baptism? You know, what a, a cool picture. And I was like, that's that's pretty pretty cool. That is that's a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They have, uh, yeah, we could just see the Tide commercials in Israel for the Levites. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like grass stains and blood stains. That's awesome. OxyClean <clears throat> gets that blood right out of your <laughs> garments. So you're ready for the next Shabbat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, it was it was a good Sunday, and uh, part of me wants to just say, you know, stop right here, listen to the sermon again. Sure. Um, so much in there, and I mean. The gospel is present in all of our Sundays, whether you, uh, you know yeah. that or not. <laughs> right. But yes. this was uh, just main course after main course. And uh, I also kind of have an expectation that you're going to respond to the questions today with more hymns. Uh, <laughs> just because it's you in general. But so many hymns. I had to cut so many hymns. I think I counted five yesterday. Oh, did you? But, yeah. Wow. I, hymns just pop in my head when I'm prepping, and they pop in my head when I'm preaching too. That's the way they're supposed to be. That's yeah. that's the great function of them. Yeah, so good. Well, let's uh, let's give some review of what we heard yesterday. Uh, I appreciate and I like the style of kind of the here's the sentence, here's the idea, yeah. and break down that. And so you shared for us uh, from Hebrews two fourteen through eighteen. 
thing. And Jesus is able to help those who are in slavery to the fear of death because he destroyed the power of death and then by becoming a merciful and faithful high priest. Mm-hmm. And so um, kind of the first thing I wanted to bring up is is where you started and where we talked about a few times in the office last week as you were preparing and bouncing, uh, as you said, several different kind of trajectories you right. could have gone. Is this this upfront idea of Jesus is able to help, and so yeah, I think and to your point that when we read this passage, we we skip the Jesus part and go to our experience of it, yep. and even the helping can lead that way, but those who are in slavery, and so like well then we start thinking about us, yeah, too much to the point of asking that question of Jesus can help, Jesus is a helper, right, and in what way and why. Exactly. And the question of most people would be like, well, why do I even need help? Exactly. Yeah. With what? <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. good. <laughs> exactly. And I was very aware of that mostly because, you know, these you hear people singing these old time Christmas hymns. Yeah. Silent Night, Away in a Manger, The First Noel. I mean, the like the potency of the gospel message in The First Noel. Bro, we were... <laughs> We were at Trans Siberian Orchestra with my folks on Saturday night. Yeah. The night before. And you got this big Norwegian dude up there with, you know, hair to his mid back. Yeah. Incredible voice saying, Born is the king exactly. of it. Just screaming it to all these old people. Exactly. And uh Does he know what he's talking about? Who are you singing about? <laughs> right, exactly. Like yeah. I, mean, I hope he does. I don't know. But that's the that's the problem we face is I mean, we I think that we Christianity has always had those those posers who are like, yeah, I'll, I'll take Jesus. He's my helper. I think it's uni- is a unique brand of that in uh, our American culture, yeah. and even more so in like the blue collar Dayton uh, Appalachian culture, which yeah. I, I came I come from. So there's a lot of this. Like you come from the Scotch Irish, and you got some pretty solid Reformed theology there, uh, and then it got kind of funky when you came over with the, you know, because it was mixed with all these old pagan rituals and ideas and you know i come from people who are very much like yes jesus is our help but it was more of a superstition you know um it was more of a jesus is a good luck charm yeah and um you you, you know the big man upstairs and as long as as long as you make him happy he kind of dishes out the right karma for people pay it forward some jesus is just all right with me yeah exactly you know jesus is is my uh my homeboy (laughs) <laughs> and uh, my helper and is very much a um, infused righteousness versus imputed righteousness type yeah. of belief. He comes alongside me. <clears throat> I said this once in a communion devotion during the Olympics uh, this past summer. I watched some of the blind runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was incredible. Yeah. Because um, they're linked arm in arm with a runner, obviously, who can see. And they are like in perfect sync, and it's incredible to watch these people show such trust in in that their handler, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the way often though, folks look at Jesus. Right, he, mm-hmm. he comes alongside what I've already accomplished. Yeah, and he just kind of makes up where I can't. He makes it spiritual. Right, and people misunderstand. Um, the father whose son was even possessed when he says, "I believe, help my unbelief." They kind of misunderstand that of, well, he conjured up a, a, a healthy amount of faith, and then Jesus made up for the rest of it. 
right? Like, no, he's, you know, Bonhoeffer says, like, he's either the whole meal or he's nothing at all. He's not just some morsel. And we live in that blue-collar culture that's like, do your best, work hard, and Jesus kind of comes along and makes up for your some of your shortcomings instead of the good news of the gospel is making sure that you know you're depraved, right? Yeah. Yeah. Luther said the, the first duty of the gospel preacher is to show the nature of sin and depravity yeah. and take you low, yeah. and then we can rise. Then we can rise, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because he is the one who's risen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole part of you, you need help. We have to recognize this that we have a problem. Yeah, I think you did a great job of revisiting several times. You see how this is a problem. You see, yeah. there's no answer to this, and and he's been doing that through Hebrews. Yes, the whole time, right? Uh, even yeah. in my passage a few weeks ago, I was like, yeah, we don't see it yet. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a problem. Yeah. So how do we deal with that? So that's huge. It made me think of uh, the book Side by Side we use for DNA and yeah. uh, counseling. And they talk about really two main aspects of that. And that one, you are needed. You are, <clears throat> sorry, needed by the the rest of the flock. You're needed by your uh, family members. Yeah. But you're also needy. Yes. Like, <laughs> when it comes to just relationships, we are both needy and needed. And when it comes to the gospel, we're holy, W-H. Yeah. O-L-L-Y. Yeah. Holy, needy. Yeah. We need help. Yeah. And I think you have to... I tried to set this up earlier in the sermon that there's kind of two brackets of people that he comes to help. There's, it talks about he comes to help people who are um, in the in the bondage and the slavery to the fear of death. Mm-hmm. So he's speaking about non-believers, right? So he's speaking about mankind. Jesus has come to deal with our big problem, sin, which leads to death. And we spend a lot of time, somebody... Uh, yesterday said you talked a lot about death. And I was yeah. like, I'm glad that you felt it because that's the big problem we have, um, and and it's a fear and a slavery to that. But you also see this other bracket of he helps those um, who are being tempted uh, because he himself has has been tempted. So he comes to help the non-believer in his sorry state. He also helps the believer mm-hmm. in his in his um, pursuit of righteousness and holiness. Yeah. But if you're not, he doesn't help you um, and bless you and give you good things like our culture likes to kind of add him on if you are not his. If yeah. you are not his, he's not for you. He's against you. Yep. You know, so be afraid. Be very, <laughs> very afraid. <laughs> yeah, for real. I think one of the most helpful things was bringing death to the forefront and, and that whole, hey, this is inescapable. You yep. can't. Um, Nobody can't gets identify. Alive. Yeah, you can't, can't identify as n- not death prone right. or whatever. I identify as <clears throat> eternal. Eternal. <laughs> I am deity. I am God. Um, so Those we, are my pronouns. We, <laughs> not dying. Forever not dying. Living. Forever. Yes. Uh, when you take that and then pair it with the idea from Romans that hey guys, this death is your payment. Like yeah. this is what you're owed. Because yeah. the wages of sin is death. This is yeah. the wages. Yeah. And so when you are then talking about those two categories, for those who are not in Christ and those who are in Christ, we get to see both uh, the wages paid being taken care of, and then also, hey, we don't have to, we don't have to do this first part anymore either. Yeah. We can put that sin to death exactly. itself. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's some. There's some key, really, verses fourteen and fifteen. 
um, are kind of the keys um, to the whole passage. And that's where the kind of the phrase that I worked work through really came from. So Jesus comes to set us free. Well, how does somebody's death beat death? Oh, that doesn't make yeah. any sense, right? So Jesus, in dying, he takes away the power of death. And the one who holds the power of death is the devil, the evil one. That's what the text says. And the reason that he has power and the reason that we fear it and should fear it is because, uh, you know, Colossians 2, we went over to Colossians 2 and we talked about what Jesus actually did in his propitiation for us is he takes the punishment that we deserve, the legal demands uh, rightly required by a holy God that Satan basically holds as a big folder of all of our sin with our name on the front and waves it in front of God as the accuser saying guilty. And, and we are. I really appreciate you saying, and he's right. He's right. Because, yes, we say he's the he's a liar, he's the father of lies, but this yeah. accusation... He got that right. ...is right. Yeah. We are guilty. We, you know, um, there's an old Johnny Cash song, um, tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him God's going to cut him down. Like, there you go. He's coming for you. And yep. and it's true. And, and so Satan, the accuser, Revelation says he stands day and night to do so, and then it talks about but he's been cast down. Well, how was he cast down? Jesus takes the folder of sins mm -hmm. out of Satan's hands, sprinkles it with his blood, and nails it to his cross. Mm -hmm. So he takes away the power the, that, that, that death has. Yeah. Um, because, because of our sin, there is death. And then beyond that death, because we are eternal, the only door open to us is hell. Mm -hmm. Heaven is not open to us until God becomes a man. Yes, that's why we can like we should say we understand this emphatically. Merry Christmas! <laughs> like this, this is yep. why we celebrate. This is why we we go big, yeah. right? For Christmas is because this is if God doesn't become man, then we're just left in our sorry state, mm -hmm. and and um and we're we're still in slavery to the fear of death. So that was the first piece that we we walked through. That that's he takes away the power of death, but I think. A lot of times we stop there, and I think I said like, "Hey, that's really good news," and we could stop there. But there's more. <laughs> yeah, there's so much more. And you and I have had this conversation <clears throat> so often about. I don't think that churches put enough emphasis on the resurrection. Hundred percent. And I was like, I gotta bring that home. I saw you grinning through that part because I'm like, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, we have to bring it home that. Um, the resurrection of Jesus is the proof that God approved yep. of the cross of Christ mm -hmm. and that he was satisfied. So if you stop at the cross and say, hey, Jesus took my sin for me. You don't even know if it's fully paid. Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, I think you could say like um, without what well, you can say emphatically without the resurrection, um, there is no there is no salvation. Right. Yep. It's because the reason Jesus comes back to life and, and many people, as we were talking, and I found this so helpful um, in prep this week, that the reason Jesus comes back to life is the spirit of God enters into the tomb and and looks at the corpse of Jesus. The human mm -hmm. body of Jesus is dead and sees the perfect faithful high priest mm -hmm. who lived the perfect life and brings him back to life because death has no hold on a perfect being. Yep. Right. And so Jesus's perfect righteousness 
it's uh, Sproul said in that quote I had yesterday, Sproul's like, the, when you understand the perfect life of Jesus and then his death and the resurrection is the most believable natural thing in all the Bible. <laughs> well, there's literally no other option. Exactly. Yeah. So if he's not sinless, then he stays dead. Yep. Because death has wages that he has to pay, but he doesn't owe death anything. And then the, the beauty of that for the believer is that, so Jesus takes the penalty of my sin, and this was really the application of where we tried to land on yesterday was, what does this mean for me? So then how does Jesus help me? Yeah, It's so much more than he just understands my pain and my suffering, which is huge. Yep. Like I gave the analogy of like, I was there in the room when my wife gave birth mm -hmm. and I held her hand and I was like, <laughs> I'm with you, baby. And I felt a lot of stuff, Yeah, but I cannot say... I know exactly how you feel, uh -huh. but Jess can. Yes, she she's can. like because Jess has had a baby. Yep. Right, and so Jesus knows, and it was really cool yesterday to be able to preach that Jesus knows pain, he knows heartache, he knows what it's like to lose people, and to look out in the congregation of people who I love and know some of them have just lost people this past couple of weeks, and, yeah, and to see the tears in their eyes, knowing that they have a Savior who knows exactly how they fear. He's not some far off. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, distant thing. I've heard the idea um, of <clears throat> why Jesus wept with Lazarus before, but yeah. just the way you delivered it, uh, it's not supposed to be this way. Like no, that, I think uh, he was angry. Absolutely, and and overwhelmed with sorrow. I think it painted it super well, and it helps mm. you helps you see his what he sees. You know, I, back mm. to a, a few weeks ago, what we see Jesus. Yes, we do. Yeah. Now, before we run into the application, a couple other things I wanted to point out. Um, I don't remember if you said this yesterday, but I, I pulled it from your notes. I, I usually don't remember much of what I say in a sermon, honestly. <laughs> so I like it. And, and you talked about this idea, whether you said it this way or not. I don't know, but I can edit this out if you want me to. Nah. <laughs> Just pull it through. Good, if it's good, I it was, said it. It was great. If it's crap, I did not say it. Okay. We'll leave that then to my bad... Uh, <laughs> bad discernment he said uh you were talking about just the you, it was during the section at least when you were talking about what is actually loving to do okay to other people and to say tell them that they have a problem that they need okay, help yeah right and you were talking about the danger in other churches of how they deliver the gospel to what extent they speak of the gospel in yeah. the first place um and then I, I would argue that it would even go so far as to how far they're chasing out the resurrection Oh yeah. Um, as I think you, I know you agree, and I think you were alluding to a lot of that. But you said this, uh, or at least had this in your notes. These churches are not folds full of God's flock, but are holding pins waiting for the slaughterhouse. Yeah. And that 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 matters so much. Yeah. When we look at what are we proclaiming, what are we yeah. fighting for? What does it mean for us to be the church of God? What does it mean for Christ the Lord? Yeah. To be the church of God, are we, you know folds full of God's actual flock or are we just a bunch of goats that are waiting to be slaughtered yeah. yeah and being told that we're something that we're not right yeah I can't remember if I said that or not but it is in my notes I remember writing that in my notes and I feel strongly about that it is not loving to not um tell people that uh they're on fire <laughs> right <laughs> yes it's not loving and it does not help human flourishing no you know, we've made this. Yeah, even beyond them. Exactly. So, so we've made this mistake of kind of coaxing people. I think where churches are deceitful. 
Um, I remember hearing uh, that's the, the moralistic therapeutic exactly deism. Yeah. I remember the I remember the testimony of uh, a a gay couple in California who was very upset oh, at yeah. a, a pretty prominent, um, if you can call it a church, out there um, gathering a gathering of people who claim to be Christians because there were they had been a part of this community for a very long time, yeah. were very welcomed in and loved, <clears throat> which I agree with. Welcomed in, love, coming, experience the community. But they, they went to the uh, leadership and were like, "Hey, we really love it here. We we want to be on board with this, and we want to uh, be invested in the community, and we want to um, volunteer, uh, you know, teach kids, and we want to be a you know, leadership positions." And they were like, "Oh, right, about that, <laughs> like, you can't do that." And like, well, why not? Well, surprise. The Bible says these things about. You know, um, homosexuality, and and they were floored, and their request was to churches, please just be um, what you say you believe, right? So if you say you believe the scriptures, yeah, then say what the scriptures have to say. They were like, if that's where we're at, fine, mm -hmm. but don't lead us along, yeah, and then dash our hopes later <clears throat> um, when you say that you love us. In fact. What um, one other testimony was? There was a um, a gay couple in the congregation. They hadn't heard anything about that sin uh, mentioned, and they'd been there for a couple years. And then they heard a um, they did like a, a video on the stage of like people telling their kind of like the I am second thing, mm -hmm. telling their testimonies. So like I used to be an addict, but God saved me. I used to. <laughs> and one person said, I used to live a homosexual lifestyle. And yet God saved me. And they both looked at each other and were like, that's a sin? Yeah. They didn't know that that was something that After God several years. Yeah. yeah. After several years. And so I think that's not loving. No. Nor is it good for human flourishing in any way. And so if we love people, what Jesus, who loved beyond anything that we can understand, what did Jesus do? He warned them that the wrath was coming. Well, so there's that aspect of it, which I agree. I liked how you said, no, the fear is a, is a right motivator. Like, it is. Yeah. It's okay. We don't have there to shy from that. There is hellfire brimstone coming yes. for those who are not in Christ. Yes. We so can, please tell me. That's legitimate. There is, just as there is on the other side, legitimate reward. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's true. Yeah, it's good. And that's a that's a fine call, too, yeah. right? I want to go to the celestial city, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> um, but the, the struggle, I think, is that... We have this idea like, well, if I table it a little bit for now, it'll make it easier to swallow then. True. And just like those two stories that you just shared, Jesus's call from the beginning to end is come and die. Come and die. Like, All the way. You don't, you don't warm into that. There's, no. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't table that for later. I, you know, I think what a, a really practical way that churches, and I think here at Christ the Lord, we got to be committed to this. And. I was thinking through this idea, I was listening to a podcast, and they were kind of talking about this, and I thought, I'm going to do a lot less qualifying in my preaching mm -hmm. um, moving forward. Of course, there's times when you need to give some context, some uh, you know qualifying and, and so on, but I think one way we can help with that is when we come to passages that are difficult, to not um, apologize for them. You know, you're going to go and preach on Ephesians 5, where mm -hmm. it's talking about men laying down their lives, women submitting, you know, to their husbands. And, I, you know, I've made this mistake in the past, and I've heard, you know, so many others. Now, we know this is a tough 
passes to deal with. We know that a lot of people have had issue with same thing with generosity with your money and giving to the church. I know that people have had bad experiences with this, you know, so stick with me. I think that's sinful. I think we should come to the passage to be like, hey, this is the word of the Lord. Mm. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. If you don't love this, right, yeah. then know it's because you're sin. Yeah. And so put your sin to death until you love the word of God. And and uh, if a pastor loves the word of God, he's going to come to this and be like, hey, this is tough on our sin, but praise God. And here we go. Here we go. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to qualify this. I'm going to dive right into it. And I think that's a that's one thing I've learned lately, and I'm going to start, and that's not just in preaching, but in conversation with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, yeah, we need to be wise in, in what we say and how we say it. Um, and there are certainly times where we can, you know, set something up or qualify something. But I think we spend too much time apologizing. You tackle for those hard things stuff. in the same way that you didn't shy away from tackling propitiation. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I get that's a big word, but yeah, as I've taught for years, when you hear propitiation, think sponge. Yeah, it's the wrath absorber, right? Yeah, the quicker, quicker, quilted wrath absorber. Yeah, <laughs> bounty. Ah. Uh, you tackled that. You tackled Arianism, which I was thrilled because <laughs> any day now we're going to see Stephen Bart's ho 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 homoousius shirt. This is true, and so <laughs> you need to know what that, why that's funny. Um, it's that is very it's, funny. It's, it's funny for several reasons, but you need when you see that you can be like ha ha ha, take that Arius because yeah, uh, it was Saint Nicholas, right? Who yep. punched Arius in the face? Punched him right in the face. More said, punching in the face. He said ho ho ho. He's consubstantial. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, now I I think those are things that we have to tackle and and recognize that those things have deep implications for how we live. And, yeah. and I think if we had that direction uh, now to some of that application, the thing that was very moving for me that I um I, I want so badly is when you were talking about the way that Jesus experienced sin. Mm. Um. He or temptation rather is that when it came to on the uh, what was the first side, the experiential side, right? Yeah, uh, he, he experiences that and understands it, but when it comes to his moral ability, he's yeah. a natural ability, natural ability, yes, human. Sir. So, yes, that, that was present, but when it comes to his moral ability, no, he can't because he hated yeah. it, he didn't want it. And that that hatred for sin is something that I, I want so badly to where it's, you just don't desire it. And there's tricks for that. I've I've talked about how you know when you taste death, it's it it doesn't meet the expectations. No. It's mealy. It's gross. There's worms in it. It's not a crisp, nice you know honey crisp apple. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a story. I, I can't remember. I wish I could remember the um, actual names of the characters, but kind of an old tale of a young prince who went down to the waters to bathe. And he sees the back of this beautiful woman and her mm. hair, and, and she's bathing, <laughs> and she's naked, and he's, he's tempted to lust. And so then he he starts to act upon that lust, and he wo goes down to her, mm -hmm. and from the back, she's beautiful. And as he begins to speak to her, she turns around, and her face is rotted away because she's a leper. Mm. And and the, the analogy here is, and I, I, I remember... Um, at victory we the men often had that um saying like don't touch it she's a leper uh -huh. like, for any you know for any sin it was like hey man yeah. you know, you're pursuing 
this career and it's killing your family and you're not doing it for the glory of God. Stop. She's a leper. Yeah. Right. Like, or you're, you're tempted to, to, um, continuing your pornography addiction. Stop. It's a leper. It's, mm -hmm. it's gonna eat you alive. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not what it seems. Yes. Yeah. I think that's huge. The idea that, that he was so, he didn't want it. He, he was just absolutely hated it is, is what we've got to be. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I love that. That was so helpful. Mm. Well, tackling those, <clears throat> you gave us uh, out of the picture of the resurrection, uh, three, four. I'm counting four because it's a kind of a a two A. Okay. Uh, um, different kind of uh, exhortations into application. It all comes from the resurrection power and the idea that Jesus is yours if you are His. Yeah. I think it's it's a huge starting point all the way back to where we started today mm -hmm. of uh, recognizing what our culture thinks. Yeah. Um, I mean, even people who would just say that they're spiritual are probably going to think that they have some kind of Jesus-ness. Right. right. Interesting story on that. I, I spent Thanksgiving with an um, extended family member on my wife's side, a very spiritual person, um, doesn't claim to be a believer, but is very open to listening to me talk about the Bible. You know, it's one of those Mars Hill situations where he's talking about the light and I'm like, yep, that's Jesus, you know, uh -huh. and the goodness, that's Jesus. I got a name for that. You know, I mean, it's a good reminder that you know, all truth is God's truth, mm -hmm. you know, abolition of man and understanding that. But it was interesting because uh, he's a very spiritual person, uh, does lots of meditation and so on. And there was a note that uh, he had written kind of on his bathroom, sticking on his mirror. And it said, help me to love my family just the way they are, hmm. um, which was, you know, uh, it was interesting. He's like, that's commendable. You know, he's preparing for his family to come down. He's being hospitable, good host, family can be crazy, you know, but it was interesting. It, it wasn't, you know, when I write that, it's help me, Lord Jesus, to love my family, yep. you know, uh, and all their shortcomings, but to proclaim the gospel to them and mm -hmm. You know, to show the gospel goodness um, in, in Thanksgiving, that's, that's what we were celebrating. And so help from who, right? There, there is no help in ourself. You're just going to run amok and make it worse. And why? Exactly. Like, why should you even do that? Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, in these, we have, uh, we have four. The first one is forgiveness is yours. And that comes from this picture of Romans uh, 5, right? With no condemnation. Yeah. That's huge, and I think that um, more of our people live here than we think. I yeah. I find myself here. For me, this passage and then Ephesians 2, but God loved you. Yeah. <laughs> that love, that all of this, but this yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know uh, I was talking to one of our other elders, and they were talking about this one. There is no condemnation. Like, yeah. There's none. <laughs> Nothing, and that's why propitiation and resurrection, yep. so huge. Yeah, um, yeah. We're gonna talk some more about that in our home groups. Uh, but the next one was victory is yours. Uh, and I, I don't remember where the passage was. Uh, it, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells yeah. in you, yeah, that one. Yeah, um, th yeah. Victory is yours. Yeah, because you have the same spirit. Right. This is just basically another exposition of Romans eight. This is kind of walks through that. New life in Christ, heirs of Christ, and then, hey, if you're in Christ, who can be against you? Yes. You know, so that, yeah, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, just can we ponder that for a moment? <laughs> right? Yep. 
Can, can we can we uh, think through that a moment? At the, the power of that? Yeah. Which brings the imputed righteousness, which I didn't put a passage here, but I put the double cure. Yeah. So when we sing that, look uh, at you with it. Yeah, him. I know. I need like a, a sound effect for him. Yeah, this is like uh, a ding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or an organ. <laughs> yeah, uh, the save from wrath and make me pure. We have yes. sinned the double cure. Uh, it, it's this twofold aspect: is propitiation. He saves me from the wrath. He absorbs yeah. all of that. Makes me pure. But then he makes me pure. I am given, imputed. Yes. Versus what you were talking about earlier. Um, what's the other I Imputed righteousness versus oh, uh, infused. infused righteousness, yeah. yeah. And so that, that's a huge deal because that's the same way that sin has come about too from yes. Adam, right? And so it is the actual answer. We have imputed sin from our yep. from our father Adam. Now we have infused right or imputed righteousness from our our forerunner, as right. Hebrews would call it. And that's the so if you don't grasp the power of the resurrection, then on the piece of propitiation, forgiveness is yours. The penalty of your sin has been paid for. Okay, if I don't believe the resurrection or understand the resurrection and why Jesus didn't stay dead, then for sure I'm going to think there's condemnation. Yeah. Because but there is no condemnation because death couldn't hold him. Mm -mm. And then but you got to go that step further as you quoted the hymn, save from wrath, make me pure. So the pure life of Jesus is the reason he didn't stay dead. And that's what he gives us. That's what he gives us. And so yeah. if death can't hold Jesus and his righteousness has been imputed into me, given to me, the perfect record of Jesus' obedience deposited into my bankrupt account, then death has no hold on me. And, and, and uh, therefore the um, sin and the death that it brings, that has no power on me. I can look at that and say no. So going back to Jesus's, I can look at, um, a situation and say this is sinful, this is righteous and by the power of God I can choose to walk in righteousness but what he's doing in me every single day as I'm being saved and sanctified is he's taking that desire mm -hmm. away more and more like like he had when he walked this earth didn't have a desire for it, he didn't want it because yep. he saw it for what it was he yeah. said I don't want that Yeah, and so I'm more and more as I yield to the Spirit, as I yield to the Word of God and its authority, the desire to sin is becoming less, and the desire to do righteousness is becoming more. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's not just anymore. Hey, I can look at that and say no to sin. Yeah, man, I this is really hard. Wow, but it's supposed to get easier in that sense because it's being replaced with the right worship. Ex exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a desire now for my King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last one was uh, future glory is yours. Mm -hmm. And these four things, three things, four things. Um, when you say, all right, what's the application for the, this right. sermon? This is us saying, hey, guys, this sermon was the gospel. Yeah, this is the gospel. Your application is the rest of your life Yep. in light of this. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, Yeah. that's the application. It, 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 it is that simple and that crazy. Like at the same time, my dad used to say, "You're a child of the king, so stop living in the gutter." Mm -hmm. Like, no, go live it. Go live it. You know, and that sounds very simple. Well, um, so the challenge has been classically: I amen everything you said yesterday, mm. and now I will go be a better person. <laughs> right? No. Just, just because I should be, I should be better. Right? Because I'm no. a Christian now. No. Why? Why? Be because we are exchanging. 
that previous idol yep. for right worship. Yeah, we're no longer what is it? Uh, First Peter's language. We're no longer ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> so so now we can offer up uh, acceptable worship. Mm-hmm. Right? Our life can be an offering of worship. And if He's our High Priest, which is a major theme through Hebrews, then those who are in Him are little priests offering sacrifices of praise. And that means that my life now, since death has no power over me, and now it will continue mm-hmm. forever, that the things I do now for God's glory matter. Oh yeah, you know. So well, it, gives, it, well, it also gives. I was just saying, it gives uh, understanding and um, meaning to my suffering too. Oh sure, right. And frames that, all of life. So this is a huge piece there. Where so Jesus understands that. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to glory that we receive. So your suffering is not meaningless. It's Mm -hmm. doing something. Primarily, it's refining you. As Jesus learned obedience through suffering, you are learning obedience through (coughs) suffering. Um, But also just the mundane task of life. Uh Um, You know, Bryn, my wife, has verses all over the window right above the sink. I noticed that there's a significant collection there and not elsewhere. Yes, they, they, they continue to accumulate right in front of the sink um, because you know, she makes this good practice of putting truth in places where she's prone to believe a lie. <laughs> in hard places. <laughs> in hard places like the kitchen sink um, <clears throat> when you have messy boys. And, and this is something that she, you know, the, the, the last part of the sermon on future glory is yours, I was really preaching to my wife. Mm. Um as I watch her persevere in, uh, in this and, and in two ways, one, you know, my wife has uh, hypermobility issues, a lot of pain because of childbirth and so on. And so talking about Jesus knows your suffering and pain is meaningful to her. Uh, also your suffering and pain is, is not meaningless, right? God is doing something with it. I, we can see a lot of that. We don't understand all of that until we get to glory and we'll mm-hmm. look back and say, wow, what a beautiful story this was. With Thank a glorified body, too. With a glorified body where she's going to just run around. And but this is funny to me is that like we look at, for people like me, we're like, yeah, my glorified body's going to have abs. <laughs> right? And for her, though, it's like, well, what more do you want? Like, right, exactly. like I would like for my hips to not hurt. Yeah, How about she, that? <laughs> she doesn't want her hips to hurt. She wants to be able to run around with her boys without her hips hurting. you know. And so, yeah, there are... The, the idea of he is restoring things and there's a future weight of glory is really meaningful for her. And then also in the, how does, she's asked this question before, like, so how does Jesus, I know he's my helper, but how does he help me when I'm washing this pot? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, but when you understand that you're living in light of eternity mm-hmm. and that, I think it was um, C.T. Studd who said, I quoted it yesterday, but I didn't give reference because I couldn't remember, but it's C.T. Studd who said, only when life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ's glory will last. Mm-hmm. When you live in light of that, then there's more meaning in washing a pot for your family because you are devoted to creating community and life and, and embracing um, what God has given you, specifically your gender, to do when the world is screaming at you know our women today that unless you're a CEO of a company, then you're not making it. You, you know, don't have value. You don't have value. And you're selling yourself short if you're mm-hmm. having children and a stay-at-home mom. Yep. You got to kind of, when you say that, you kind of have to say, yeah, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Like, no, say that with confidence. Yeah. Because not only are you bringing up the next generation, which is a massive part of our, our work, but if you're embracing these things that God has given you, not just 
um, given you as a woman or as a man in your gender role for his glory. But the task he's given you right before you, if you're doing that for God's glory, you're, that's more important and carries more weight and significance than a person who finds the cure for cancer and mm -hmm. does it for themselves. Yep. Right? I, I referenced First uh, Corinthians 15. He's talking about when this, in, when this perishable puts on imperishable, uh, one day when we see him, all these things are going to you know, come to pass. And that's when the saying will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where's your sting? Yeah. And he ends all that argument kind of by talking about Jesus overcomes death. In verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah. So I'm going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And if I'm washing pots and changing diapers for the glory of God, yeah. that's going to last forever. There's going to be a, there's a weightiness to that. And that is an entirely different approach than what I think functionally the church has trained people to do, which is, all right, you've been saved, now go be better. Right. And what that go be better is is go pay them back. Right. Go make it worth it. Go yeah. make it, go justify your justification. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Go build your own justification. Right. And and I think that go high priest... destiny. Yeah, I think that high priest picture is crucial for this because can you imagine a priest paying back the sacrifice mm, like yeah. where you go you go out there and put the animals back together i mean <laughs> right. do you you have to some, pay for all of them duct tape yeah I, I, the idea of paying back or working for your justification it's freely given yeah by death mm -hmm. is impossible yeah yeah we have mm -hmm. churches full of people who have been saved and are now trying to still Add to their justification, justify yeah. their justification, mm -hmm. or earn it in some fashion. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, that makes a pot pretty rough. It does. <laughs> Somebody yesterday, after the sermon, they were really um, encouraged by the piece of, um, I said, you know, some of you feel like there's still wrath waiting for you. Mm -hmm. That was me before my sabbatical. Yeah. I, I, I thought of you when I was preaching that part. That actually wasn't in my notes. Um, and I thought of you and some others, and they were like, it was really helpful for me to know that what's that ghost ship song? Weep no more, the wrath is on the tree. Weep on no the tree. more, there's no more left for me. No more. And they said, I don't always feel like that, though. Mm -hmm. and I, I, I said, well, here's my encouragement to you. Um, just keep walking in that truth, whether you mm -hmm. feel like it or not. Yeah. Right? That's the key. I'm not, I don't always feel like it, no. Well, that's similar to what I heard from my sabbaticals. He said, a promise is a promise. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, regardless of how you feel, you know, it's been done. Mm -hmm. Jesus came back to life. Yes. All right, so trust in that. And well, and that takes us to the bigger picture of Hebrews, lest we get too dialed in here. Of right. We're looking at our forerunner. Yeah, you're right. We yeah. can't forget that part. Yeah. He is a trailblazer, and we're, he blazed it. Now we trail yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It was so cool. All through the sermon, all I could think of was uh, a couple weeks ago when Matt preached, it was fitting. Yeah, everything was just like this was fitting. This was fitting. This was fitting. What a beautiful, beautiful I've been saying story. that a lot. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, so good. Yeah, and I, I guess the last thing, I could have gone many different ways with this sermon. Uh -huh. a, lo a lot of the commentaries were mostly focused on how Jesus um, empathizes with us, the solidarity, know, the solidarity of Christ, which is a massive piece. And I touched on that, <clears throat> but I really do think that the the piece that um, the author of Hebrews is going for is like okay well, again how does he help you 
This is the great salvation. This exactly. is what ultimately makes him more superior to the angels. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and at the end, you know, the picture I was trying to leave people with is Jesus. So when we're when we're lost, or when we're struggling, I think we've painted this picture of Jesus where he comes alongside and puts his arm around us and is like, "Hey, man, like, I know you're trying real hard. I know that." I know it's really hard these days to live in purity and lust is, you know, always around us. So it's, it's okay that you fail with porn. Like, that's okay. You're doing a good job, buddy. Yeah, here's, a, here's a juice box and sit down and chill for a little bit. All right, Jesus, I went in the sermon and when you, and you look in Jesus' earthly ministry, he calls people to action. Take up your bed and walk. Yes. Right? Like, that was good. And let's, let's move. He will meet you where you're at, but he's not going to leave you there. Yep. And I think we have a lot of churches that are just preaching that Jesus is just cool with where you where you're at. Mm-hmm. Right. And then unfortunately you're gonna be very surprised when they have the gates of heaven slammed in their face. Yep. But the picture that really Did we do all this stuff in your name? Exactly. Big things. <laughs> Big That's things. a terrifying verse. In your name for you. Yes. I oh, don't man. know you. Exactly. I don't know you. Um I didn't I, I didn't help you. Right? Yep. Because you didn't think you needed help. Yep. And, but the, the last picture. Yeah. Um, and sorry, Puritan, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, they're going to turn around and see that backpack again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to weigh him down. You're exactly, you're exactly right. And yeah, this podcast is going long, but the sermon was like three hours long. So that's good. It is fitting. It was an extra large pizza. I mean, chill out, people. <laughs> this is true. We have lots of toppings. This isn't a personal fan. It's a deluxe pizza. <laughs> no, the, but the picture I want to leave our people with here, okay, if you need to summarize how does Jesus help, um, I think it's really a beautiful picture in Revelation 1. I love that. Okay, so our, you know, our church went through that a couple years ago. You got to preach that passage. Yeah. I was kind of jealous of that. <laughs> this was the uh, the bumper. We yeah. just had the streetlights uh, yeah. <laughs> app, you know, just played this this for the bumper of Revelation that, yeah. 1, um, 1 through like. Uh, 12 through 20 or something like that but so jesus john sees jesus and he's got flaming fire coming out of his face Mm -hmm. he's got a sword coming out of his mouth like he is as white as like bright blinding white and he's terrified Mm -hmm. and it says he he when he sees him in verse 17 he fell at his feet though dead like Mm kind of like the same thing as the soldiers at the tomb like yeah they faint with fear and and they they're they're um, overwhelmed with this picture. He's he's holding the lampstands, the churches in his hands. Yep, falls on his face, and it says, "But he laid his right hand on me," mm-hmm. which is this really cool picture of Jesus holding the churches in one hand and yet still reaching out to the individuals in the church and touching them. And and John is the beloved disciple. Like mm-hmm. John is a self-proclaimed beloved disciple. <laughs> like he's the disciple Jesus loves. Mm-hmm. And you see this really cool picture of Jesus in this terrifying moment reaching out to him and saying, it, you know, it is I. It's Don't me. be afraid. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I know that voice. I know that. Man. Yeah. But the, but the, so the, he helps him. Mm-hmm. But the key is, and this is the kind of help Jesus gives us. He doesn't go on to, to he doesn't like turn out the fireworks. Oh, yeah. Right? He, he doesn't turn out the fireworks and say, okay, I got you. It kind of scares you right now. Well, it's almost me... like the, it's a reverse of the transfiguration. Right, exactly. Yeah, he, he doesn't uh, go back to the, you know, the blue robe, white sash or whatever yep. that is, the white robe, blue sash, uh-huh. Jesus, you know, with his hair gently blowing in the wind, uh-huh. which is stupid. He doesn't sit down next to him and say, hey, man, like, 
Bro, you've been doing a good job. All the other disciples have been killed. You're persevering. Now you, I'm going to do really good things through you <laughs> on this island. He doesn't talk about John. Yep. Who does he talk about? He talks about himself. Mm -hmm. And what does he talk about? He says, I'll, I'll just read it for you. I got pulled up here. Um, fear not. And this is why you can fear not, John, and why we can fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives John boldness yeah. and power to, to be persecuted for his faith and to go forward and do uh, all for God's glory. Yeah. Not, but we've, what we've done is we've said, Jesus helps you and he comes along and says, it's all about you. Mm -hmm. But no, the, the, the boldness we have and the reason we're overcomers and more than conquerors is because he is the living one mm -hmm. who holds the keys to death. And so, hey, if, if that Jesus is for me, yep, who can be against me? Amen. You say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Yes, come Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> yeah. And praise God that when he does come, those who are in him will not hide their face. Yep. If you... If our Jesus is and he is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for joining me again this week. Yeah, it's um, been great. Pray that all this is helpful for you guys as you consider uh, the sermons. Again, we're trying to make sure we try to lay a level foundation all the way through Hebrews. We yeah. don't get too caught up on any one piece, but see how these things fit together. Uh, but with that, we will see you guys next week. And we want to encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. See you guys next week. See you guys. <laughs>